Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you've set aside a few minutes to spend with us today. In each episode of this podcast, we'll share some of what we're learning in the work we do with kids and families on a daily basis at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Our goal is to help you care for the kids in your life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow provides meaningful screen time and shared experiences for families to help you grow in your faith together. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.gominnow.com. Hey, David Thomas. Hey, Sissy Goff. I'm so glad we're sitting down again together and that today we're getting to talk about hope. We can't talk too much about hope. We can't talk too much about hope. You're exactly right. So if you were going to start us off saying something that has made you feel hopeful lately or that helps you feel hope, what would you say? You know, a, a habit that I think has come out of the year 2020 when we talk about things we want to carry forward is that I have never walked so mm. much in my life. I haven't, you That's know, because awesome, it's one of the only forms of exercise that any of us could do in the very beginning. And I have carried that forward. And what I've tried to do in that time is use that as an opportunity to listen to podcasts of voices that I really trust and I think move me toward hope also. So I've been really selective on my walks of what voices I really want to hear in this time. Can you name one? I've loved listening to Brene Brown's new podcast and Kelly Corrigan. Both, I think, are hope-filled people and also make me laugh, which is a great thing also. That is a great thing. What about you? I think for me, something that my whole life brings me back to a place of hope is worship music. And I forget it for seasons. And then I circle back around and I hear a Sandra McCracken song, who is one of my Mm. most hopeful people that I go to and friends. When I need to be reminded. And then I think the song that probably has gotten me through the last year in so many different ways and was our song we sang so much at Hopetown this summer is John Reddick, God Turn It Around. Do you know that mm. song? I don't. And oh. I want to. Oh, you would love it. I mean, it just turned this thing around over and over and over. And this summer, sitting with kids when we could at our retreat to sing that. I mean, just it feels so true. And, you know. Feels like 2020, 2029. It doesn't matter. There's still such a come and turn this thing around that we need hope. And he is our source for sure. So, and I love that Sandra, her music always makes me my favorite song of hers is that mercy. I feel like that song in particular takes me like face plant into my depravity and then brings me back to the gospel. And so I think that always just brings a lot of hope to me personally. So that kind of leads into this episode of being a hopeful parent. And, you know, when you said we can't talk about hope enough, I think the ironic thing is I was thinking about this episode. We have a lot of parenting seminars we offer. I don't know how many do you think we have? I don't know either. 15 different seminars that we offer that we either lead together or with Melissa or one of us individually, all kinds of different options. And one of them is being a hopeful parent. And I think out of every 
offering we have, it's the one that's picked least. Which I get it because I think really probably a lot of you are listening to this because you want practical help and hope doesn't seem like that so much. And I think in so many ways, it's the thing that we need the most. And on the flip side of that, I will never forget driving through Nashville last year on my way for us to teach a parenting seminar. I was meeting you and Melissa at a church, and I saw a billboard for another parenting seminar at a church that I will never say the name. I can't, I'm glad I can't remember it because I got so mad at them. But the seminar they were having was called Perfect Parenting. I can't even fathom that that would be something that would be offered because there is no perfect parenting. (laughs) Hopefully you have heard us say that 500 times since you've started listening to our podcast, but there is no perfect parenting. And I think that is one of the things that blocks hope the most for all of us. One of my favorite conversations I ever had with a mom, this was a couple years ago, and she sat down on my couch and she was so endearing. I mean, I just could tell from the first minute she sat down. And she said, I want to tell you about my kids, but what I've realized is I really already know where I want this whole session to go, (laughs) which I've never had anyone say that. Have you? No. No. And so she said, here's the deal. What I really want you to tell me by the time this session is over, I want you to tell me, number one, what I'm feeling is normal, and number two, I'm doing a great job. (laughs) Well, didn't she make your job easy that I know, day? she did. <laughs> and I think really, in some ways, if we could say what we want y'all to hear in all the seasons we ever do of this podcast, we would want you to hear what you're feeling is normal and that you're doing a great job. And when we believe the opposite of those things, <laughs> that what we're feeling isn't normal and we're not doing very well, is when we stop feeling hopeful, I think, in so many ways. And so that's really how we want to talk about this is... Yes, what brings hope, but feeling like we need to start with what blocks our hope. And so even with what she said to me, I think one of the things that I hear block hope for parents the most is a sense of comparison. And we live in a culture of comparison. And you know, it starts so early. Has your child started walking yet? Has How many words is your child using? You know, it just starts from really close to infancy almost, and it continues on in so many different places. And I think, you know, of course, I sit with so many girls every day, adolescents in particular, who are living in this comparison trap all the time. And what we talk about is that you never compare yourself to someone else that you feel like, oh, I'm really doing okay. We always end up feeling shame. We always end up feeling like we're in a worse place. We fall into that trap. And, you know, there's that great quote about how comparison is the thief of joy. I think it's also really the thief of hope because we do end up feeling like we're the only one dealing with whatever we're doing. And we, again, would say you are not the only one. If you're feeling like my child, I am comparing, I have fallen into that, and my child's not making as good of grades, or my child's really struggling, or my child's depressed, or we're not keeping up with all these families that we're around. You know, Dave and I talk about this all the time, that our job is to sit with families who are struggling. And we're going to talk about it more throughout this episode, but struggling builds resilience. And God turns every one of those things going on in their lives. I had a high school girl last night who prayed about God turning things for 
our good and His glory. And that's exactly what we're talking about. He does that. There is hope even in the hard things, and we want to keep circling back. But if you're comparing yourself, stop. It's just not going to help. And even if you need to write a note to yourself somewhere or something that says, stop comparing, put it on your phone, background, whatever you need to do, it's not going to help because God, as we have talked about a million times, God picked you for your kids and your kids for you. So you don't even need to compare. He knows exactly what you need in light of that. We are so thrilled to be partnering with our friends at Minnow to bring back the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. We all know that devices are here to stay. So if you want to make screen time meaningful for your kids, Minnow is for you. A new streaming service designed just for kids. Minnow has over 2,000 episodes of fun and faith-filled shows that have been carefully curated by moms, dads, and church leaders, so it's safe for your family. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.gominnow.com to start your free trial. What would you say as far as the second idea that blocks? I think a second thing that blocks is loneliness or isolation, which I think lead to exhaustion. And we all need a team. We all need a home team. And as you think about having a home team and the kinds of people that you want to be a part of your home team. I think there are several folks we'd recommend in terms of building your home team or expanding your home team. I think it's so important that you have some other parents who are in the same space of parenting where you are who will tell the truth. And we would emphasize the tell the truth part. You don't need a lot of parents around you who are having perfect Pinterest moments at home all the time. You need parents who are going to tell the truth about the things that are hard and who I think are going to offer an honesty that's needed and certainly one that's missing from things like social media. And so I'll often ask parents, like, who are the people in your life who tell you the truth about how hard their experience is and also will tell you the truth about yourself? I think we all need two or three people who will love us enough to tell us things that maybe we don't want to hear or are hard <laughs> to hear as well. And and so I think you want to have those people on your home team. I think you also want to have some folks who are a distance down the road too. I think it's mm. so important to have parents who are five to 10 years ahead of mm. you who can offer a perspective about life that maybe you can't see in this moment. You know, Anne Lamott, do you remember that quote? She has this funny thing about telling the truth and being around people older because she says, Parents who have children the same age as yours won't admit how horrible their children are. <laughs> That's fantastic. And exactly what we're talking about. There you go. And I think particularly there are certain seasons we would say for toddlers, I think you need some parents who can cast a vision for you of what it might look like in a season when kids are more independent and can do things for themselves in ways they can't then when you are just in the throes of the physical exhaustion. And I think when your kids are teenagers... You need some parents who have young adults who are in a moment of relationship with their kids that's going to look different than when your kids are in mid-adolescence. So I think in many seasons that's needed and necessary, and those two in particular, I, I would say you can't lean far enough into that. And what those folks are doing for each of us is is there being another voice. And we talk so much under the roof of the Daystar House about how 
we get the privilege of being another voice in kids' lives. And that so often we're saying not just the same things that parents are saying, the exact same things that parents are saying, but it's just a different voice that sounds different. And I think as much as our kids need that in their lives, other voices that can speak truth to them and it be something that sounds different, we need other voices speaking truth to us as parents as well. So that would be one Mm, thing. What else would you add? We kind of alluded to this before, but I think some of the other things that really block a sense of hope are pain and failure, which the two often go hand in hand. Our child is struggling, that saying about you're only as happy as your saddest child. I don't think that's really the saying, but I feel like we sit with parents every day who are really echoing that truth. And then as a parent, your part of your job is to be the hope engine on the train of helping your kids have it. And it can feel easy to crumble in the midst of that. And so I think pain, a sense of failure, like you have blown it, you're not you're not making it as a parent. Again, then we circle back around to comparison of I'm not the mom that all these other moms are. I'm not as cool as this mom. I'm not as whatever athletic as this dad and able to hang in with my kids. I'm not as good at seventh grade math, you know, whatever it is, it's easy to hit those places of pain and failure. And I would say in reference to that, I want us to go to Romans 5, because I think it has such rich truth. That's what we're talking about right now. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Y'all know this, perseverance, character, and character hope which feels like a miserable route to hope. But it is sure laced with pain and suffering. There's so much of that in the midst of it. And hope does not put us to shame, back to the verse, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And I love even that we're talking about shame being such a piece of what blocks it. And it says, hope does not put us to shame. Other versions say, and hope doesn't disappoint us. And if you were sitting with us, we would say, get out a piece of paper and write down your child's name will disappoint you and that you will disappoint yourself over and over and over. But hope doesn't disappoint us. And the path to hope comes with a lot of heartache in the process, but it circles back around to that really amazing idea of he is growing good things in the process. He is at this great redemptive work, like we have talked about a million times. And you know, it's one of the things that we said so much in the pandemic is that kids are resilient much more than we ever give them credit for. They are resilient. And so we can have hope in the fact that He is doing these really good things. And I don't even know how many years ago I did this talk at a co-parenting seminar. And I did what we like to do sometimes where I brought a group of kids And they were each supposed to talk a little bit about their parents. They were all all came from divorced homes, which is why I brought these specific kids. And they were all supposed to talk about kind of what the divorce had been like in their lives. And it was interesting because it wasn't even the question that was asked, but each one of the kids ended up talking about how they were different because of what they had been through, how God had really grown things in them because of that very specific thing. And I remember sitting there watching those kids talk, thinking, this is it. Like, this is the redemption. This is that path, that Romans 5, 3 through 5 path of how He is doing things right now. 
And so even when we don't see it, and it's hard to have hope, to hang on to that verse and to that truth is so important. So actually, we would love to jump in on the intentional practices and have that be your first intentional practice, to make a chart for hope. So in your lives and in the kids you love lives too, to sit with them and talk about it. If we were going to say suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope, if you literally made a chart for that, how could you fill it in? How have you seen those changes take place in you? And have your kids do it too. How have they seen those changes take place in them? Because when we really sit with it and think about it, we can find it. We can see the threat of redemption. But sometimes it's that sense of opening our eyes to see it. What else would you say? I would encourage parents to create a hope list and have each family member, this is something you could do together as a family, have each family member name five things or name 10 things, depending on how old your kids are, that feel hopeful to them or 10 things that anchor you to hope. And so I was even thinking when you and I were going back and forth on our ideas this morning, you know, if, if you were to make a list of 10 things that anchor you to hope, it might be listening to Sandra McCracken, mm. Sing Thy Mercy, and it could be a podcast, and it could be a book. I think about how many adults I know who read the same book once a year. There's just something about that that anchors them to something important. And so to create a list with your kids that in those times where we don't feel hopeful, we talk so much about forgiveness, and I think hope's the same way. There are times where we just don't feel remorse or like forgiveness, but we want to be about the work of forgiveness. Sometimes we don't feel hopeful. Mm -hmm. And what does it look like to anchor ourselves to practices and things that help move us in that direction? What else would you add? Well, the last one I would say is really kind of what you said, of find your people. Make a list of the people that are your people that you can walk through this journey. And we, did, we didn't say this, but I think one of the blocks to hope for a lot of parents we talk to, I hope there aren't any teenagers listening, we could just say developmentally is teenagers. <laughs> because there, it's such a challenging, you know, we quote Michael Gurian all the time who says, at least for girls, he says adolescence is the most frightening episode of life a girl will go through. I would say it's also the most frightening episode of life a parent of a girl will go through adolescence. And He calls it the worst episode of a boy's <laughs> life, which makes it the worst yes. episode for you often too. Yeah, and I think especially in adolescence. And I want to read something. We have talked about Walter Wankerin on here before, but he has this quote that I love that I think is so hopeful and such a picture of particularly adolescents, but kids of every age and what it looks like to have hope and find your people. So he says, parents let us laugh together by telling tales of the idiocy of these tall children. Laughter diminishes problems by granting a blessed release and a realistic perspective. Let's talk seriously too, exchange advice, discover how very common after all is all that we thought bedeviled our family alone. And let's pray out loud for each child by name and for the parents, because God is the God of teenagers too. God is the one parent who shall not be superseded. Mm. Amen to that. Amen to that. Teenagers, four-year-olds, 10-year-olds, all the different ages, and there is so much hope in that we serve a God who not only redeems, but will not be superseded. Romans 15, 13 from the message says, Oh, may the God of green hope fill you up with peace. 
so that your believing lives are filled with the life-giving energy of the Holy Spirit, and your life will brim over with hope. I love that, and recently tried to do a study on what green hope meant. I knew I liked it, and I thought I knew personally at least what it meant to me. And mostly what I found was criticism of what in the world is green hope and how did Peterson come up with that. But then as I would delve into it and knowing and just respecting him so very much, I went ahead and went with my heart, which is what I feel like Eugene Peterson so often and one of the reasons he wrote the message was so people could understand in a practical, everyday way. So we're going to talk today about hope, but specifically green hope. I was recently with a little boy, and he looked up and he said, how am I ever going to make it without my dad? And I think that many kids are asking that question, even if they're not saying it out loud. How am I ever going to make it when I'm not as smart as some of the other kids? How am I ever going to make it sitting in front of a computer? How am I ever going to make it when I am always the one that's chosen last? Hope. And not just hope. Green hope. I have a quote from a book written by Kathy Lee Gifford. It's never too late. She dedicates to her parents, and she says, With gratitude to my parents, who said they loved me too much to deny me the privilege of making mistakes. Now, I would say that is what I would call hopeful parents. Let me say it again, because I had to read it two or three times. Usually, I would read this as with gratitude to my parents, who said they loved me too much to let me make mistakes. But she said, with gratitude to my parents, who said... They love me too much, here it is, to deny me the privilege of making mistakes. Again, those parents knew hope. Green hope is a hope that has a source that is growing. It's a hope that we don't really see. In Romans 8, 25, says, But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait Here's that patience again. We wait with patience and composure. Romans 8.25 in the Amplified, it says, But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with patience and composure. Actually, what we do not see is often better than what we do see. And our hope is built Again, on what is coming. It's that anticipation that we talked about. And so often, patience and hope are right there together. And I love the word composure that's there. Because when I lose hope, I lose patience. I lose my composure. And I'm not going to describe to you what I look like then. But I have a feeling you have your own little secret description of what happens. We lose our composure. Back to Romans 15, verse 13. Oh, may the God of green hope fill you up with peace. Oh, may he fill us up 
may you have that green hope that will fill you. And so that you can have a life-giving energy. Oh, how many times do (laughs) we think and we feel, if I just wasn't so tired, if I had energy. And the hope that we so desire to pass on, to have, to experience, to be able to answer when your child says out loud or says inside, what am I going to do? What am I going to do without? Or what am I going to do if this happens? That life-giving energy is from the Holy Spirit in Romans 15, 13. And it says it will brim over then, will overflow, not overload. It's already pretty natural to overload inside and you're tired. But this says, I'm going to fill you with life-giving energy of the Holy Spirit, and you will brim over with hope. You will overflow. And that's the hope that your children will see, that your children will experience. They will catch so quickly when you have a sense of hope, even when things can be so hard. You've heard Sissy and David and me talk about Hopetown which is a place up in Kentucky that we take our kids to, and they stay there for about a week at a time. But I wanted to tell you why it's called Hopetown. Over 20 years ago, I was riding my bicycle, and I was hit by something. I don't know what, because I have no memory of the accident. It was a hit-and-run accident, and I had uninsured motorist insurance. And with that, I received a nice check. And with that check, I was able to buy a place in Kentucky. And we called it Hopetown because we wanted it to stand for the hope that we can always have, that the kids that come there will be reminded, the parents that come there will be reminded that no matter what happens, there is hope. There is green hope. And Hopetown, every summer, over 20 years, kids have come. It doesn't take any time for the hope to brim over, to overflow, and touch the lives of each other. What a time it is. Hope, faith, love. Hope is right in there with faith and love. How important it is to be a parent who has hope. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow helps you make screen time meaningful for your family, which shows kids love and values parents' trust. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.g-o-m-i-n-n-o.com. It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.